you are either in a storm now, about to go through a storm, or coming out of a storm. The question is not whether we're going to experience a storm or not. The question is how we will weather the storm. And we want you to be able to weather the storm well, to come out the other side successfully. Uh, and there are all kinds of different ways that you can approach that. Uh, difficulties in life are going to come. There's no question about it. The storms are out there. It's just a matter of how we are going to make it through those storms. And uh, sometimes you can be prepared for the storm. Sometimes you might not even know that the storm is coming. And sometimes you know, but you don't necessarily take action that, that you need to take in order for you to weather it successfully. So those are the kinds of things that we're gonna be talking about, those difficulties in life and how to weather them successfully. This is part four of How to Church, the principles that we are practicing. And the question that we're gonna ask is, how can I weather the storms of life successfully? You may remember last week, this verse that we looked at, this is Proverbs 13, 20, says, become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. And remember, the biblical definition, if you look at these two, throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about what wise people do and what foolish people do. And if you pay close attention, you see that wise people are the people that know the right thing to do and act on it. And foolish people are not necessarily dumb or stupid. It's just that they know the right thing to do, but don't do it. And it says that the wise person is going to become more wise because they hang out with wiser people. And the foolish person who hangs out with foolish people is going to have their life fall to pieces. So what we're talking about today is actually integrity. It is the idea that you're going to do what you say you'll do, that the, your beliefs line up with your actions, your actions line up with your beliefs. And the benefit of that is that what we do with what we hear makes all the difference. What we do with what we hear makes all the difference. If you show up at church, if you learn the learn certain things, but then don't put it into practice, then you're not going to benefit from it. We've all experienced this in the past. You know, when I often Jesus would use money as an example uh, to illustrate spiritual principles. And so you can think about, well, when I was growing up, there were certain things that I needed to be taught. I just didn't know about handling money. And then I had to learn them. And then once I learned them, then I have to put them in practice. There was a lot of stuff early on that I knew that I didn't do. And then I suffered the consequences of that. And then as I got children and realized that I need to pass on good money management habits to them, then I realized, you know, I have to know it and I have to be doing it. And then I have to teach them. There's a, there's a process and there's integrity to the process. But just knowing I should budget, I should save money, I should save for retirement, all of these things, knowing that stuff isn't going to make a big difference unless you put it into practice. And we 
in the church, we often earn a bad reputation because we know the right thing to do or we say the right things, but then our life doesn't line up with it. So many people have rejected faith, not because of faith, not because of Jesus, but because the people who claim to follow Jesus aren't actually doing what Jesus said. So it's what we do with what we hear that makes all the difference. And so my challenge for you this week is going to be to identify one truth to put into practice this week, to identify something that you know to do and then to do it. Uh, this is something that Jesus talked about all the time and in particular in Matthew 7, 21 to 29, that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever preached and Jesus at the end of it wraps it up and this is his application to do what you know to do, that doing makes all the difference. So let's read it together. I'm gonna read it in the message translation so that you can hear it perhaps with some different ears because it is a very familiar passage and I think that this pulls it out and then we'll look at it a little bit more in depth uh, and pull in some other translations as well. This is Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 to 29. Jesus speaking. Knowing the correct password, going, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at your word that you would speak to us, <clears throat> that you would make it clear to each one of us exactly what we need to do with what we hear, that you'd give us insight and understanding, and then clear paths for application. I thank you for this, and I thank you, Lord, that you have promised a blessing, that we can weather the storms of life if we will listen and apply what we've heard. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Welcome to Cornerstone Online. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. This is our weekly experience, actually one of our weekly experiences, along with On Demand and also On Site. And you can find out about all of the ways that you can encounter Cornerstone at cornerstonenh.org. Our schedule for On Site is found at cornerstonenh.org slash calendar. However you encounter Cornerstone, it is our desire to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, doing so knowing that Following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you're new to Cornerstone, we'd love to be able to welcome you personally and to stay in touch with you, to encourage you along in your spiritual journey. You can do that by texting the word NEW wherever you are watching or listening to our church number 603-225-2550. We'd love to be able to know who you are and stay in touch with you. So. As mentioned, we are in a series that is called How to Church, where we're talking about the basics, and there's a subset of that that we're talking through about the pattern that we're following. If we're followers of Jesus, what does that look like? And there are three aspects of it, and that's forming the three messages that we're in the middle of right now. The first aspect is knowing Jesus, to be with Jesus. That's a reminder that our faith is relational. Second aspect of a follower of Jesus is that they are growing. They are becoming like Jesus. That reminds us that our faith is transformational. And then lastly, we go. We do what Jesus does, and this reminds us that our faith is active. What we're talking about today is that transformational aspect of our faith that we are going to grow. And this was pointed out in Romans 12, 2, where it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We get this pattern from Jesus himself. If you read through the gospels, you'll notice him uh, praying healing and teaching. Wherever he went, he would get off by himself and lean into, spend time with his relationship with his heavenly father through prayer. He would be with his heavenly father. And then wherever he went, he was meeting needs. He would very often heal people. People would bring the sick to him and he would heal them. And he often would teach as well. The passage that I just read was a part of a large passage of Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And this was an important part of his ministry and it's an important part of what we do as well. So it's very clear to us if we want to know what we should be doing as a church to follow Jesus, we're going to be praying and healing and teaching. We're going to be uh, we're going to be knowing God. We're going to be with Jesus. We're going to grow with him. We're going to learn what he has taught us and allow it to transform us by changing the way that we think. And we're going to go. We're going to heal. We're going to be involved in redeeming the world that we live in. So, so that's what we're talking about. And the way that that transformation happens is changing the way that we think. And it's important to, to understand that because the things that you do are based on the things that you think. If you believe a certain way, you're going to act on those beliefs. If you believe a different way, you're going to act differently. If you want to know exactly what you believe about something, then see what you do. That will tell you what you actually believe 
Not what you say, but what you do tells you what you actually believe. And Jesus, in that passage and throughout his teaching and throughout the scriptures, we see that what we do with what we hear makes all the difference. What we do with what we hear makes all the difference. So let's focus in on that passage, the closing <clears throat> argument, the closing uh, paragraphs of the Sermon on the Mount. There, uh, Jesus used the illustration of a house weathering a storm. And there are a couple of things that are the same and one key difference that leads to the two different outcomes. So you'll notice first off that both the wise builder and the foolish builder hear the teaching. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's how Jesus introduces the story. And then a little bit later in the contrast, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. And then he'll explain what happens. But notice that both the wise and the foolish builders hear what's going on. It's not a problem of ignorance. Sometimes it is a problem of ignorance and we have to solve that. We have to find out stuff, what we don't know in order to do what we need to do. But that's not the case here because they're both hearing what's going on. Now, the other thing that happens is that it is, that it is exactly the same is that both the wise builder and the foolish builder, their houses go through the storms. In fact, it says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Now notice, I put that that's Matthew 7.25a and Matthew 7.27a. That's not a combined combination of both of those. That's actually these exact words are repeated in both of those verses. What is Jesus doing? He's saying, look, the storms are going to come. You can be a wise builder. You can be a foolish builder. Your house is still going to have to face those storms. That's the other thing that is the same. But what is distinct, they both hear, they both face storms, but what is distinct is what they do with what they hear. Back in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's the key distinctive. One puts them into practice. The other, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. This is the key difference. They both hear, they both face storms, one puts them in, puts the words into practice, the other does not. And that's what leads to these two different outcomes. In verse 25, it says, yet it, talking about the house, did not fall. It faced the storms, it weathered the storms. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. However, the contrast for the one that did not put these words into practice. What happens to his house? It fell with a great crash. So, doesn't matter if you hear, everybody hears. Doesn't matter if the, you think the storm is coming or not, everyone is going to face the storm. The distinctive is the different outcome results as a result of what you do with what you hear. Now we saw the same kind of thing when I introduced this verse a couple of weeks ago. It's Ezra 7.10 where it says, Ezra committed himself to studying the revelation of God, to living it, 
and to teaching Israel to live its truths and ways. Because if we are going to know God better, we're not only going to know truths about God, we're, not, we're going to get to know him in a personal, meaningful way, but we're going to do something with those truths that we learn. And this is the process that we'll see. <clears throat> Learning it, living it, and passing it on. And all three of those are key to this aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And again, what we do with what we hear makes all the difference. The first aspect is <clears throat> you gotta hear it. You gotta, you gotta have to learn it. That was the first thing that we see in Ezra 7.10. And uh, James, the apostle James talks about this in his letter to the churches. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. Uh, James has been likening the scriptures to a mirror. And when you look into a mirror, it reflects back to you yourself and you see what you are like. And he's saying, as you study, as you learn the scriptures, it gives you insight into yourself. And he's making the point that it's what you do with what you hear, what you do with what you see, that makes all the difference. He's saying a person who is going to be unchanged if they look into that mirror, they see things that need to be done to fix their appearance, but then they walk away and forget about it and don't do anything with it. He says, in contrast, and that's where we pick up in James 1.25, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. In other words, you're going to stare intently into the scriptures, and it's going to give you insights into yourself. And I want to just park here for a second on this idea that it sets you free. Because we believe that what the Bible teaches is true is true, and truth sets you free, as Jesus said, then the contrast to that is that a lie places you in bondage and slavery and controls you. And if you think about it, what, what are the reasons that people lie? If you tell somebody a lie, what you're trying to do is control what they believe and therefore control their behavior. The illustration I always use is if a kid, uh, mom asks the kid, did you steal a cookie? The kid says, no, I didn't steal a cookie, even if he did, because what's he trying to do? He doesn't want to suffer the consequences. He doesn't want to face punishment. So he lies to his mom to try to control his mom's behavior. And so when we believe lies, our lives are being controlled by those lies. But when we learn and apply the truth, it is going to set us free. A lot of times people uh, feel like if they uh, become to follow Jesus, it's gonna be constricting and it's going to cut down on their freedom. The absolute opposite is true as you follow Jesus, who is the truth, and you learn the truth, you will be set free. And that's the point that James is making here. You look carefully, you look intently into the scriptures. It is the perfect law that sets you free. So it is important for us to figure out how to work this into our 
lives? How can we be looking carefully into the perfect law that sets you free? And we talked about this last week. There are several tools, several ways that we equip you as a church to follow Jesus and to learn the truth, to learn it. We talked about life journaling, which is a process where you can read and understand and apply God's word. So if you want to learn more about how you can do that effectively, you can go to cornerstonenh.org slash life journaling, and I've placed some resources there for you. We also have small groups that you can be a part of where the for some of them the focus is on learning more about God's word digging deep into God's word you can check that out at cornerstonenh.org/groups and then of course our teaching and our large group worship corporate worship experiences is the same thing. We are trying to take God's word and make it accessible and understandable. And you can see the schedule for what we're doing at cornerstonenh.org slash calendar. So when we see Jesus praying and healing and teaching, the teaching had the idea of not just sharing information, but all the aspects that we see in Ezra 7.10 of learning it, living it, and passing it on, studying, living, and teaching. But that living aspect what we do with what we hear makes all the difference. And so let's focus on this idea of living it. If you go on to the second half of James 1.25, it says, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we see this process again in Jesus' teaching. They hear it. They do something with it. They weather the storm, the house stands, or they hear it. They don't do anything with it. The storm comes, the house falls. And so he's saying, if you, the difference is what you do with what you hear, you do what it says, you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The blessing, the benefit from what you hear comes as a result of the doing. And that's also back to this idea of integrity. If we uh, don't want to be hypocritical, if we don't, if we want to be effective ambassadors for our faith and for the one to whom we give our allegiance and whose name we bear, then when we do what we have heard, then we have integrity. So it's the doing that makes all the difference. And we see that again back in Ezra. He studies it, but then he lives it as well. And the living is what makes all the difference. The doing makes all the difference. But there's a third aspect to that as well. Did you notice that? And to teaching Israel to live its truths and ways. And there's, there's a prog progression to this. You have to learn it, and then you can live it, and then you can pass on what you've heard. And that's the next step. And it's not really complete until we do this step, and that is to pass it on. Jesus made it very clear to us as his followers that our mission 
it's called the Great Commission, was to go and make disciples. That we as followers of Jesus, our job is not done until we pass the baton of faith onto the next generation. Or as we've said before, uh, success is succession. You're not really truly accomplishing your mission until you've passed it on and someone else is doing it as well. The key verse for this is 2 Timothy 2.2. We talked about how discipleship, a better word for that, is probably apprenticing. We are apprenticing in the way of Jesus. We are learning to think the way Jesus thought and we're doing the things that he would do. And uh, as disciples or apprentices, we get to pass on apprenticeship to others as well. And we see this in 2 Timothy 2.2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to his apprentice, Timothy. This is what he says. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. There's a lot to unpack in this, but, but the progression has started, right? It's uh, you, Timothy, have heard me, Paul, teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. I like here that he says, you know, the things that I'm, that I'm telling you are not just stuff that I made up. They're confirmed by many witnesses. And that uh, points out to us that what we do today is pass on truth that was confirmed by many witnesses. We have the witness of scripture, the, the recordings in scripture are eyewitness testimony to what has happened and what Jesus has done. And so when we teach the scriptures, what we're doing is the same kind of thing that the apostle Paul was talking about. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. So now we've got one generation passing it on to the next generation. But it doesn't stop there, it keeps going. Now you, Timothy, teach these truths to other trustworthy people. So now we're at the third level of passing it on, the third level of progression. You got Paul and the eyewitnesses, they're passing it on, he's passing it on to Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, now you take what you've heard from me and you pass it on to other trustworthy people who will, and then we go to the fourth generation, who will be able to pass them on to others. Success is succession. We don't accomplish our mission until we pass our faith on to the next generation of disciples. And so when we have heard it all before, when you get the sense, yeah, I've known that, and you start picking up some themes that you keep hearing over and over again, that you keep seeing in the scriptures over and over again, that you've heard before when you, heard, when you hear a message, that might be the Lord's way of pointing out that you're ready, that you need to start passing this on because it's not just for your benefit. It is beneficial to you. When you do something with what you hear, you will experience the benefit and blessing of that. But it's not supposed to stop with you. You are supposed to be actively engaged in passing the faith, passing these truths, passing the principles that you have been taught on to the next generation of disciples. This is an old concept. It goes all the way back to the first books of the Bible. And this is the passage that I want to close with. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
uh, and the following verses. Look at how it starts. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Deuteronomy is a long extended sermon that Moses gave to the people of Israel to kind of sum up everything that they had learned. And this is his conclusion, uh, his introduction actually to this whole idea. And he says, it starts with you. The things that you've heard, I need you now to do something with it. It's in the doing that all the difference happens. So he starts out by saying, you've heard this, and now I want you to commit yourself wholeheartedly to it. And then it reminds me that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I want you to commit wholeheartedly to this path. I want you to follow in my way wholeheartedly. I want you to be a follower of me. And I am getting to I have the opportunity to extend that invitation to you as well, to become a follower of Jesus. And that means wholeheartedly committing yourself to him. And that's why each week I give you the opportunity and encourage you. This is the most important decision. This is the defining, deciding line between being in the faith or outside of it. This is the most important application that you can make to what you've heard. Because we've heard that Jesus, fully God, fully man. Who is he? Fully God, fully man. What did he do? He went to the cross and died a death he did not deserve in order that, what does it mean for us? That we could experience the faith, the the forgiveness, and uh, embrace the faith that Jesus taught and experience life and experience life to the full. So I'm going to encourage you to do something with what you hear when you hear the gospel. And that is to say yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to his forgiveness that what he did on the cross is gonna count for you. You're also saying yes to a life of integrity and following Jesus, actually doing what he said to do. That he's the boss, he's the Lord, He's the one that gets to call the shots in your life. That's what it means to say yes to Jesus. And he's promised that if you will say yes to him, yes to him as Savior and Lord, then he will transform you from the inside out. How is it possible to do something consistently? How is it possible with what you hear? How is it possible to live a life of integrity? I don't know how you do it without the power of Jesus living and residing in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, he transforms you from the inside out. He gives you new desires so that you want to do the right things. He gives you a new power so that you are able to follow him wholeheartedly. That's how this works. So I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. If you let us know, you can do that by texting yes to our church number 603-225-2550. Then we will celebrate with you because this is the best decision you'll ever make. And we'll also resource you and encourage you as you begin your walk with Jesus. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7. He goes on 
Moses says, repeat them again and again to your children. You need to commit yourself wholeheartedly to it and then start talking about it. Pass it on to the next generation. And how do you do that? I love the way he describes it in verse seven. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. I love this because he's saying, you're going you're gonna to focus on this. It's, you're going to be talking about God's word. You're going to be meditating on it, coming and going from sun up to sun down. It's just going to be integrated into your life. Talk, uh, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Uh, even tie them on your hands and wear them as on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Just put it up everywhere. Just constantly remind yourself. And I, I love this. There were actually people throughout history who took this literally, and they would put little piece, little passages of scripture on their hands or tie them on their foreheads. It reminds me. I was playing a game. Uh, where I had a card that I could play that was beneficial to me, but I kept forgetting that I had this card. In the midst of the game, after forgetting two or three times, I, this is kind of gross, just be right. I licked it and I stuck it to my forehead just to be silly and just as a joke, but every time I looked, I saw that that card was right there and I didn't forget to play it the next time I had opportunity. What would it look like? What does it look like for you to have God's word constantly before you? The truths that will set you free. Do that. Today, we've talked about integrity. We've talked about doing what you know to do. And we've said that what we do with what we hear makes all the difference. If you want to experience life better, if you want to experience life, a better life and be better at life, then it's not just enough to hear and to know certain things. You have to do something with what you've heard. So that's, that's the challenge for this week. Maybe it's something that you've heard today. You know that you need to be getting into God's word. You need to start that life journaling process. Maybe it's being a part of a group. Maybe it's committing to being a part of a weekly corporate worship experience. Or maybe it's something that you didn't hear today, but it's just something that you know, that you've heard before, and you just know that the Lord is speaking to you and telling you, you need to put this into practice. You've heard it. You've known it but you haven't done anything with what you've heard yet. And now is the time to put it into practice. You want that life that is abundant and full. You got to do something with what you've heard. So whatever it is, identify one truth, one principle, one application that you know, a step that you know that you need to take and then write it down. If you're using a growth guide, just put it right under the challenge. Say, this is what I'm gonna be doing this week. And, and, and just apply yourself, commit yourself to it, and do what you know to do. And then Jesus said, if you will hear it and put it into practice, the storm is gonna come, but you will weather the storm.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you were upfront with us. You told us in this world we would have trouble. But you also told us, you also taught us how we can weather the storm. So I pray, Lord, that you would help me and help everyone who's listening and watching to know exactly what we need to do with what we've heard today. And then the courage and power that you provide to follow through, to live a life of integrity, and to do what we know to do. And Lord, I want to pray particularly for those who have been on the fence with their faith or not really sure where they stand with you. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would help them to take that step of faith to say yes to you. Once and for all, I'm going to be following Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to follow him. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody on the fence there, that you would just give them that extra little nudge, that you would empower them to make that decision, step across the line of faith, entrust themselves to you. Because we know, Lord, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.